Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytic Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, no 40 transaction that has hit the market and cap off with discussing regulatory updates. This 20-minute roundup is the curated shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally, and it may just spark some ideas for future deals and transactions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Marika, who work in sustainable corporate solutions and business development across Asia-Pacific. But first, let's look at some news. So Nick, what are some of the headlines, numbers and events that happened in the past months? Yeah, thanks Marika, and great to hear you on the podcast and um, for our listeners out there, Marika is a relatively new member of the team and we keep growing and growing our team. So we'll have some more um, some more voices going forward on the podcast as we continue to expand uh, our presence throughout Asia. But well, we, we say this every month, um, loads of headlines, loads of news. Sometimes it's like, where do we start? But let's, um, let's just pick a few key things for the month of April. Look, The first thing to mention, I think, is just the records. There's so many records being set, huge momentum across all facets of sustainable finance, more and more articles coming out about the levels of green bond issuance, the levels and potential for sustainability-linked instruments. There's still a lot of social activities um, or use of proceeds as a, as a structural change in the market that we've seen last year. The market just keeps diversifying product geography, issuer, and types of things getting financed. So without going into all the specifics of that, the momentum is really good. We're seeing that in our business and certainly seeing that across our customers and customers' business uh, as, as well. But hopefully pretty soon in the podcast, we'll talk more specifics on Q2. But Q1 thus far has been really strong and you know multiple, multiple times growth um, in the market. Um, another thing that, that I really like looking at every year is TPI, or what we call the Transition Pathway Initiative, state of the market. It's pretty sober reading, to be honest. They look at around 16 hard-to-abate sectors, very good organization that produces lots of really good benchmarks, reference points, looks at different companies, their readiness, their strategy, and their performance on decarbonization in the main. So do check that out. There's a great webinar. Uh, but a very good report, well worth looking at each year. And we know transitions coming to sustainable finance. It has expressed or been expressed, I should say, in different instruments thus far, some of the linked instruments, but from a use of proceeds perspective, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely coming. It's topical and the TPI is a fantastic reference. So I would encourage all our listeners to check that out. Another one was just on China. So a little bit like hydrogen or some of the other finance um, or sustainable finance topics, you just need to um, Google every day and there's articles about China after they've released their net zero plans to 2060 last year and 2020. Lots of ongoing developments. And one of the latest ones is really about removing more fossil fuel related or coal can no longer be um, financed um, under some of the PBOC um, catalogue or some of the other regulatory factors in the, in China, which is you know which is a really significant development. So we look forward to seeing more news uh, from China over time. Just to jump back to the transition theme, something that caught my eye particularly over the month, and again from environmental finance. If anyone doesn't have that or subscribe to it, a quick plug for our friends at Environmental Finance. An excellent publication, great articles, great summaries, great weekly updates. And one of the articles they had was really about transition um, and whether 
there's a dynamic in the market of sustainability linked really starting to over dominate and maybe eat up transition bonds and even some suggestion that the transition bond transition financing label will disappear over time. At Sustainalytics, we think diversification of the market's really important. So we're still going to see both linked instruments geared around transition, um, transition instruments in their own right from a use of proceeds perspective. The market needs diversity, particularly of product. So it was really interesting that talking about that because we haven't seen a whole lot specifically labeled as on a use of proceeds basis for transition, but I think we will start to see that. But the article talks about some of the challenges. One of the challenges is what, what good looks like. And then one of the other challenges when you're looking at use of proceeds is do you have the actual assets? So some items for transition are maybe still in R&D stage. So maybe the asset base isn't quite there to justify the size of some of the bigger bond financings to make it make more economic sense. So, um, yeah, really interesting article on, the, on that one. So, again, tapping into that transition theme and still continuing the transition theme, something that I've really noticed and liked, um, Marika, over the month was some excellent reports that came out from the Texas. The Texas um, on their transition tightrope series, some excellent, excellent materials. I'd encourage any of our listeners to check that out. The latest edition of that was 150 pages about different case studies related to SLBs and transition and strategy. Um, and I'd highly recommend to check that out and really, really good quality items that come out um, from the Texas every month. So well worth checking out. A little bit of an update on the EU. Again, we say it every month. There's just so much happening in the EU on sustainable finance. Uh, the taxonomy has pretty much been finalised. There were some threats by different organisations that were involved in the creation of that, whether some things are going to get removed from the final draft or included. I think we just need to wait till, till the dust finally settles on that. Um, I personally still get a bit confused working out exactly where some of those elements are. But let's see where gas lands at the end of the day. Nuclear, I think, believe is still out. But look, I think it'll develop a little bit further over time and, and one to keep an eye out on couple more things before we move on to looking at some more um, transaction-specific items. Again, by the time we've recorded this podcast, some of this is a little bit old news, but just to recap, we've been too busy supporting transactions thus far in 2021. But the APLMA, um, we congratulate for finally releasing the social loan principles, which had been talked about for some time. Again, pretty similar in terms of structure to the social bond principles as the green loan principles to green bond principles. But really good to see that, and hopefully that supports, again, the structural shift in the market to have social be more front and centre of use of proceeds financing and social KPIs getting included in many more um, sustainability-linked uh, transactions. So definitely check those out. And last piece of news that, that caught my eye in particular was the ELFA and the LMA have released a paper about looking at ESG considerations and leverage loans and some best practices and and just, again, trying to provide um, some more market reference points about what good looks like. You know, make sure things are considered. You don't want to design sustainability length, which doesn't have enough teeth, is not relevant, and doesn't really promote and incentivize a sustainability goal. So, yeah, Marika, pretty packed month, and that's what jumped out to me as the main sort of headlines that caught, uh, caught my mind, or caught my eye, I should say, and my mind <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, thanks a lot, Nick, for providing that snapshot over the market for April. That sounds really interesting, and it's great to hear that there is such a strong momentum. Very good for us, keeps us busy, and great to see the market growing. 
also interesting to see that there was some development on the social loan principle side and the other stuff you mentioned. So definitely worth checking that out. But speaking from loans, let's move to the bond side. So what has jumped out on the green bond or social sustainability side for, for bonds over the last months? Yeah, so on the bond side, again, the features of that, and we're still trying to mix up this segment for our listeners because there's almost too many bonds to mention, but we like just touching on giving a flavour for what the mainstays are of the market, a little bit of what we've seen, and then some couple of specific um, reference points. But if you have a look at it again, sovereigns, really important, they catalyse the market. So we saw some activity or planned activity, shall we say, in some cases, um, Russia talking about a sovereign, Canada talking about a sovereign, um, Hungary talking about a sovereign or have issued. Um, Malaysia, we actually worked on Sustainalytics and have worked on a number of sovereigns globally. So feel free, if you're a sovereign or a bank connected to a sovereign deal, reach out to us. We've done uh, the bulk of those uh, globally. So good to see another ASEAN or Asia-Pacific government venturing out on that. More news, UK, I think September now is when they're going to finally release something, which will be great. A deal that I really wanted to mention that, that we worked on as well was for FedEx. So quite a broad framework, lots of interesting categories, some of them fundamental categories on your, um, on your renewables, on your energy efficiency, on your green buildings and those sorts of things, some more on clean transport, um, some more on circular economy and, and products, and a couple of social categories as well on economic advancement and empowerment projects as well. So do check that out. The reason I'm mentioning that one in particular is because they've, they've got a very expansive sustainability plan now. And the categories within that framework, I think, are quite expansive. Normally, you'll see the most expansive frameworks for banks, uh, but it's good to see some corporates with, with such breadth of activities they're looking to uh, finance. So definitely check that one out. Back to the mainstays, banks, banks, banks. So we've worked with a lot of banks. Again, really important because they're raising capital to put into projects that will then feed their allocation of, of green or, um, or social you know, KFW, Mandiri, one of Indonesia's biggest banks, if not the biggest bank. Um, we worked on that transaction. So great to see some action in Indonesia. You know, Citibank, uh, also UOB, one of, um, again, the uh, key bonds coming out from the Singaporean uh, banks. And that pretty much made a, a clean sweep for us in terms of DBS, UOB and, uh, and OCBC. So I'm really happy to have worked on uh, that one as well. Talking of mainstays, you mean property. I won't go into too much on that, but we're continuing to see a good flow from China and other parts of the region, including Singapore, renewables. I won't go into, but again, your solar projects, your wind projects, your project financings, lots of, uh, lots of different um, things um, happening there. Another one that I just wanted to flag really taps into this IT telco sector theme. So Sustainalytics has worked on a number of telcos you know, globally. Hopefully we see some more action pretty soon in Asia in those, both connected to a green theme, but also a linked theme. And I just wanted to mention one that we worked on called Naver. Um, Naver is an IT technology-based company in Korea, often called the Google of South Korea. I'm sure there's some more fancy or cooler versions to um, describe that company. But again, it taps into, we've seen last year, Google. Then we've seen, you know, someone like a Visa or, or a MasterCard a little bit on the technology side. We've seen Alibaba uh, and more recently um, Amazon, actually, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, so really good to see. So again, IT, technology, the different types of things. Some of them, again, back to the fundamentals. Some of them around social. 
and some of them around some of the things that they're um, doing to enable uh, more greener uh, activity. So check those um, uh, check those ones out. Um, autos won't comment on too much, but good to see some auto parts manufacturers such as Nidec in Japan coming to market again. Kia uh, went to market and uh, and others. We saw a little bit on uh, the aquaculture side, uh, Selma. Um, again, following on from what we saw for Grieg and Maui on the seafood side last year. And yeah, that really is the, the key sort of transactions that jumped out um, on the green. So hopefully that gives our listeners a bit of a flavour for some of the mainstays again and just a few highlights to comment on. But it's getting harder and harder to try and figure out how to summarise everything that's happening in the market. And we hope we're striking the right balance between breadth and a little bit of depth on uh, on some of those. So, yeah, another busy month, Marika, that's for sure. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, that, that was really interesting to hear, like that sovereigns and banks were in particular busy over over April. And thanks for highlighting the FedEx and the Neva trade. That sounds really interesting. And yeah, we are seeing more and more of those transactions in the in the market. So it's really getting hard to go into detail about all of those. But yeah, let's continue and um, just quickly this talk about what have you seen on the on the loan side in particular, which you find interesting? Yeah, so green loans a little bit similar. Well, pretty similar actually to what we see on the bond side. Maybe not to the extent in terms of volume, and not to the extent in terms of diversity. Uh, but we see we did see a green loan for Singapore's national utility, um, SP Power, which we also worked on a framework for them. There's an interesting um, Turkey Development and Investment Bank, uh, a green loan for them, um, and also Tata Tata Clean Tech. So again, some of the things we picked up on the green bond side, the IT, the telcos, um, and then some of the mainstays, the renewables, the development banks, but generally not quite the level of activity as on the bond side, but still green loans, lots of positive dynamics, such as what we've talked about on the bond side. Okay, thanks for that quick summary, Nick, on the on the loan side. But let's move now to, which I think a really interesting part for our audience. Let's talk a little bit about SLBs. So what has been going on there? Are they growing as fast as everyone is expecting? Um, yeah, which which interesting transactions have you seen here, you, which you would like to highlight, please? Yeah, thanks. Um, thanks, Marika. I'll have to give... Um some other team members to do a bit more homework on this part of the uh, the market going forward. It's it's becoming more crowded. So the activity on the green bond side is probably more to, to talk about, but these deals are fascinating because they are newer, they're more dynamic. Uh, we've seen a real pickup. I mean, there's different forecasts about what level they'll actually end up this year, but it's one of the fastest growing elements. We're seeing a lot more pickup in Asia too in terms of interest, different sectors, how do we do it? what's ambitious, what the good looks like. The more transactions breed more transactions as well. There's more confidence in the market. And, you know, some deals are going to be a little bit debatable at times, but the scrutiny is good. The growth is uh, certainly strong and, and we're participating in, in a lot of that growth um, as well. So just a couple, and I'll, I'll delve into one or two a little bit more, but we saw a, a couple of deals in Europe, sorry, one deal in Europe for, uh, for Picard on, uh, on GHGs. Uh, we also saw... Natura, um, I think they own the Body Shop and a couple of other brands. I may have messed um, messed that up on the cosmetics and, and beauty products uh, beauty product side. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'll study uh, study up a bit more next time for that one, uh, Marika. But GHGs and, and some other recycled products, um, I believe. But 
what I wanted to highlight a little bit more was a very interesting transaction we worked on, which was for Berlin Hype. And I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. I always get the tricky names to try and say, so I'm sure you could correct me on that. No, you, you almost did it right, Nick. So all good <laughs> oh, on <great>. that side. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So um, the interesting factor about this is that it's one of the first, or actually I think the first financial institution that's gone to market in an SLB format. So for the banks or the financing parties, it can be a lot more challenging because their own economic, oh, sorry, environmental footprint, social footprint, they can do some things on their self, but really the biggest lever for change they have is really what they're financing in the main. So Berlin Hype went to market. Uh, they're pretty much a, a mortgage provider in Europe, and they had some targets around uh, their portfolio that was on the property side and measuring that right across the board and having some aggressive targets on reducing the carbon intensity for their, their property portfolio um, and what they're funding. So it was excellent to see. I mean, that's what you'd call scope three. It's something they can really influence. I um, mean, in their case, maybe it was easier because they pretty much just finance property, but I think it's an excellent signal to the market and to all the other banks and financial institutions which say, have a look, see what you can structure within your portfolio, take some of that data um, and see what targets you can uh, you can create. And as we've talked about, in recent podcasts, you know, there's different tools. What does good look like? How do you measure it? Particularly if you're a financing institution, it's a little bit more challenging because your bigger impact, your center stage sustainability issues are really through what you're financing in your portfolio. So as we know, there's tools called PACTA. Uh, SBTI now has a financial um, institution segment. And then PCAF, I can't remember what that actually stands for, but about um, carbon accounting for portfolios and, and for banks as well. So just wanting to highlight that, a really good, I'd say, anchor in the market for more FIs to go to market. And a couple of other ones to mention. Solaris, Midstream, which are connected to water for oil and gas companies, went to market. Also CMPC or Impressa, um, a little bit like Clabin and Susano, uh, who have gone to market on the forestry side and, and looking at carbon intensity. And they're pretty sure... Um, the C-SPAN has, uh, has gone to market, again, that we uh, worked on on the shipping side. So, yeah, certainly, Marika, a lot of activity and certainly growing and growing in the exciting, not-so-new world of, um, of SLBs. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, that was a very interesting wrap-up, in particular hearing, um, hearing about the issuance of Berlin Hub. That sounds like as, as they are kind of like breaking the ground, perhaps, for other banks following on that. So thanks for highlighting. Let us move now to um, some questions from our listeners. So I see we have a couple of questions which came in from last time. So Nick, I would ask you those questions and if you could just quickly answer them um, sure. for our listeners. So we have one which is, can you call upon anything you like, like blue, purple, rainbow? Yeah, it's a good, um, it's a good question, um, Marika. So I think we get this question actually quite quite a bit. And what we'd say is, Depending on the legal jurisdiction in the market, you can kind of call a bond at the end of the day, whatever you want. But as long as you don't misrepresent what it is, and then the other factor is make sure you don't call it something that people don't understand. So if it has a really fantastic, super duper name, people or investors or others in the market may not connect that to sustainability. So definitely check regulations in the country. I think Japan is quite strict on what you can call a bond or not. But from our perspective, as long as it's not misrepresenting something, 
I don't think there's a major issue in that. And I think the names will get more inventive over time, for sure. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I, I think the important thing is as long as the use of proceeds are eligible for green or, or social, then um, then you are fine, and then you can you can play around yeah. with the name if you if you want, as you as you said. Thanks for that. So we have a second question, and that's that's a very common question. It's a very timely question, I would say. The listener asks: Will we see more combined types of frameworks going forward? Yeah. Well, I wish um, I wish some of these questions would stop coming because they're actually pretty uh, pretty tricky. But as you say, Marika, pretty topical as well. So. I guess the intent, and I'm, I'll answer it on the assumption that we're talking about things like a transition bond with a coupon step change, depending on whether a sustainability goal has been met, or a green bond with a kicker on the coupon if a certain KPI metric, et cetera, has been met. So, yeah, I think, um, I think the short answer is yes, we're starting to see it. We're getting demands of different combinations, even on the linked instrument side. As we know now, uh, and we'll talk about in future podcasts, the linked loans and the linked bonds are pretty much the same in terms of principles now. So they can go into end of frameworks. I wouldn't necessarily call that a, a so much of a combo. But then if you start linking products together from a use of proceeds point of view, green transition, and then having a, a kicker on the coupon dependent on whether a goal has been met. We've seen a couple of examples, and I think we will continue to see examples of those as banks and issuers get creative. And, you know, there's still pockets of the market of investors prefer use of proceeds. There's still some that prefer more company-wide KPIs to really drive fundamental change. So combining those two, I think, can be pretty pretty powerful. Let's see. Maybe it makes it a little bit trickier for investors to sort of put them in one form of of uh, bucket, if you like. So not sure whether that will slow down any of that. But yeah, I, I personally think we're going to see much more. And great to see, again, diversity growing the market can only be a um, can only be a healthy thing. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, I think you summarized that very well. I, I think from an issue side, it's definitely preferred to the, with the tendency to, to combine those frameworks, while from the investor side, it needs to remain to be seen if they will have a preference for either or, or if they are fine with buying from those combined frameworks. So that's that's an interesting space we definitely will monitor. I think the, the last segment we are missing is SLL, so the sustainability linked loans. Was there anything you would like to mention in that space, Nick? Yeah, there is. So a pretty busy month um, again. And just for our listeners, we will talk about this going forward. And by the time we've recorded this again, very flat out and busy over 2021, the APLMA have recently, I think over May, I know this is for April, updated the SLL principles to pretty much mirror the, the SLB principles. So I think the key dynamic around SLLs going forward is to be, there's going to be a step change on that. We've been hinting at that for a while to the extent that the SLB market has really driven more transparency. Loans were pretty much um, just communicated in terms of detailed KPIs and targets to the to the banking groups. And now, because the bonds are, are more public, having to communicate that more broadly, I think it's been putting a bit of pressure on loans to be really, really, you know, increase sophistication and robustness and targets and ambition. And now that has been formalized through the, the APLMA's updated SLL principle. So that's a cornerstone of what we'll start to see and talk about uh, going forward. But a couple of transactions to mention over the month. Shipping, again, talking of mainstays on the green side, shipping, definitely a mainstay now on the SLL side. 
We saw a deal from NYK, who's gone to market in a couple of different formats in uh, in Japan. Hannah Armstrong on the renewable side on some decarbonisation uh, reductions. Wilma, again, on the palm oil side, has gone to market in a bunch of different formats um, over the years and did another loan uh, with a few different KPIs. One of them connected to DJSI and traceability and and, and those are those are good to see. I guess what we would say when when an index or a certification is used just to make sure that it's not about maintaining something, it's about improving something. And sometimes that can be a little bit tricky in terms of referencing to a external sort of benchmark when you've got a, a mixture of KPIs in there as well. So let's see. But good to see Wilmar going to uh, market again. Singtel. So in our, uh, where we're sitting in, um, in Singapore, doing a transaction there, great to see. And then there's actually a couple of mining transactions over the over the month. So we saw Newmont, one of the world's biggest gold companies, um, using an ESG risk rating. And then we also saw Nordgold subsidiary Cyanate SLL over the month. So I really like that, Marika, because you know mining is an important part to enable some of the commodities that are needed in the low carbon economy. But some of the practices when we talk about do no significant harm, they can be harmful to the environment. Where's the balance? What's best practice? SLLs, SLBs, great formats to support those companies. Let's see. I think it's the start of, of seeing much more trends around the mining side. Uh, we also saw um, a company on the dairy side, Friesland. Let me try and say that right. Friesland Campina. Yes, that's all right, Nick. Very good. Very good. I'm glad I've, my pronunciation's getting better on the a Dutch dairy uh, dairy firm. Um, and having some some interesting targets there around GHGs and uh, traceability of, of sourcing and those sorts of things. So I like that one because agri is underrepresented. You know, if we look just in the in the neck of the woods or, or markets that we interact in, you know, there's still some very big agri-based economies, Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, and agri is underrepresented. So I particularly like it when we see agri-connected, uh, agri-type companies and some good KPIs that have been focused on them. The other one, just the last one to mention, was just on BlackRock signing a SLL to some targets around ESG and a revolving credit there, around GHGs and supply chain diversity, different types of uh, types of things given their business. So there's been a, a couple of monster deals. I think it was about over four billion. So you know, there's been, there's been some real monster deals the last few months, and and let's see whether that sparks any other types of um, asset managers to go to um, to go to market. Thanks, Nick, for that roundup. It's it's really good to see that the um, sustainability-linked loan principles get aligned with the sustainability bond principles. I think that's a good move. And also great to see that there are some more transactions coming from the agri-sector and dairy, because as you said, that that sector is definitely underrepresented. So yeah, sounds like a good good activity here in that space. So, But let's move to transition now. Um, anything which was in particular of interest from the transition side. So yeah, Marika, there's been some interesting news on the transition side. And as I mentioned before, for our listeners, do check out the TPI um, report to get a broader uh, perspective of some recent news, but connecting it to a couple of transactions. CCB from China um, came out with the transition bond framework. Do check that out. Um, on the first, first look, um, there wasn't a whole lot of detail, to be honest, in some areas, but we'll let our listeners um, check that out and see what they can reference from there. Japan, uh, again, coming out with some ICMA 
uh, pretty much based on the ICMA Transition Climate Finance Handbook. I'm sure I'm getting that that wrong, putting the words in the wrong order, but but coming out with something uh, something there. Also, CBI announced over the month. So there wasn't a whole lot of, of transactions, actually, but more different initiatives happening. And CBI actually announced that they'll be developing some specific transition criteria on top of the recent white papers they did, which we'd encourage people to check out. Excellent, excellent reference on, on, on transition. SBTI actually, over the month of April, have launched a maritime criteria, which goes a little bit deeper than some of the other reference points in the market, you know, IMO and other things. So do uh, do check that out. And a bunch of funds continue to come to market, Amundi in particular, um, launching a Just Transition Fund. So I haven't looked too much into that, but good to see that Just Transition is coming up uh, as, a, as a thematic to really look at as well as the world moves and transitions. We've got to make sure that's that's equitable as possible from a from a social perspective. So yeah, a couple of transactions, Mariga, but more on the initiative side and the momentum we can see building and, and we can see that through our conversations we're having in APAC too. More interest and transition we know is very, very important. Thanks, Nick, for that roundup. So moving on to the last section in the regulatory space, was there anything like overall which was interesting where we have seen movements or any particular country which stood out to you, which did any regulatory update in the sustainable finance space, Nick? Yeah, more, new, more news, I guess, across the board. The things that jump out to me are probably a little bit more in Asia, being biased, um, based in Singapore, but a couple just to flag. We've seen New Zealand start to look at introducing some potential climate change laws for, uh, for for financial firms. I haven't absorbed all of that, but New Zealand, very progressive, and we'll see how much of the regulatory debt the banks start to get pressured more to do things in different ways, particularly in markets like, uh, like New Zealand. There's been more talk and articles around the greening of monetary policy and those type of things, which is good to see. Um, a couple of uh, country specifics around ASEAN and coming out with an ASEAN taxonomy, lots of news out of the the, uh, the Philippines, uh, and actually some more recent news in Vietnam, which we've talked about from time to time, sort of heating up and then heating down again. So yeah, just to, not not anything earth shattering, we'd say um, this time around, Marika, but a few bits and pieces happening in different uh, different countries. Thanks, Nick. All right, folks, that's all about the time we have for this episode. Links to articles and reports mentioned in this episode can be found either on our website, but also do follow us on our LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.